0: FusionChurch.cc slash soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Happy Monday. Happy December 25th. It's Christmas. It's an amazing morning, amazing time to get together and really be like the shepherds, be the first ones at six o'clock this morning to hear God's word of good news. Amen. So we're going to kick off this morning or this uh, time together. In Isaiah 7. Uh, so go ahead and we will uh jump right in. Let's pray. We'll dive in. God, I thank you so much for another day, not just any day, God, but Christmas Day to get to dig into your word, your truth, your promises, God, for your people. Lord, I pray that this Christmas of this day we're coming together, God, we're listening to your word, be a fresh reminder, Lord, of your promises, not just over your people. Of us as individuals, as families, as homes, God. Lord, let every single um, person under the sound of my voice right now, God, meet you in this time together. Meet your word, meet your Holy Spirit moving in a new, fresh way. God, open our hearts and minds, eyes and ears to your word of truth and grace and love this morning. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Now all people said, amen, amen. All right, like we said, Merry Christmas. So excited for this morning, We're diving in together. Um, I know 6 a.m. is kind of early on Christmas, but you know what? Growing up, I actually used to go to um, or even serve at midnight mass back in my Catholic church days. So for me, 6 a.m. on Christmas is sleeping in. All right. <laughs> so usually I'm going to bed around 6 a.m. back in the Catholic church, midnight mass days. All right. So So excited to have this time together as we jump into Isaiah 7. So, um, I'm jumping into the new international version, NIV version. So, go ahead and get yourselves there, whatever version you want to use this morning to compare. Let's dive in. All right. Isaiah chapter seven. In the NIV, it's entitled The Sign of Emmanuel. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son shear Jashub, and meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and do not be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram, and of the son of Ramallah. Aram, Ephraim, and Ramaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves, and make the son of Tebal king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only Rezin. Within sixty-five years Ephraim will too be shattered. Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Romalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in deepest depths or the highest highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord God to the test. Then Isaiah said, "Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people, and on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He'll bring the king of Assyria. Verse 18, new new, uh, title, Assyria the Lord's instrument. In that day, the Lord will whistle for flies from the Nile Delta in Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle in the steep ravines and the crevices and the rocks, on all the thorn brushes and at all the water it holds. In that day, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria, to shave your head and private parts and cut off your beard also. In that day, A person will keep alive a young cow and two goats. And because of the abundance of milk they give, there will be curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, in every place where there are thousands of vines worth of thousands of silver shekels, there will be only briars and thorns. Hunters will go there with bows and arrow, but the land will be covered with briars and thorns. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of briars and thorns. They will become places where cattle are turned loose and where sheep run. Amen to God's word. All right. Whew. Again, it's Christmas. We all want to spend some time together, so we're going to try and keep this a little bit shorter, but still really get so much meat to dig into. It's an incredible word from God. So we're going back to the top. I'm back in verse one the sign of Emmanuel. You know, if we talk about you know, God's promises and God's prophecy and how you know the birth of Jesus It was prophesied for literally hundreds of years before his his birth even came around, this is where it comes from. <clears throat> this time when Israel is going through another enemy, right? We've been reading through soap for the last few weeks and months of the, the battles and the enemies that Israel has been facing. And we're seeing that again this morning um, with uh, Ahaz, Ahaz, it was king of Judah at the time, and the other kings, um, Aram and Israel, coming to fight against Jerusalem, where God's people were. But what does verse 1 already tell us? But they could not overpower it. Spoiler alert, God wins in the end, right? So I it guess it's hope, you know, and in, in coming through, seeing what all they're facing, giving hope to the Israelites and to us, that God wins in the end. All right? Um... And verse two, we're kind of seeing what happens. You know, David's, the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. Remember, Ephraim was part of Israel in the past that had broken off. And so the hearts of the king were, and people were shaken as trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Powerful, right? Um, you know, what's so cool is if you look at God's word, you know, it's not just a, <clears throat> a one-time thing. You know God's word it confirms itself; it builds itself up, right? So you actually can go back in the book when Isaiah, right? We go back in Second Kings, chapter sixteen. It speaks more about this. You know, um, so when Ahaz took the throne, he was twenty years old. Just think about you know some of the young adults in your life taking on a whole a nation, right? Of, of God's people. Um, and we got a brief glimpse of of him. In Second uh, Kings sixteen verse one, it says, "Unlike his father David, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel, and, not, and even sacrificed his son his son in the fire, engaging in detestable practices of the nations of the Lord had driven out before the Israelites." So we're seeing how you know the heart of of Ahaz is not towards the Lord. He's offering sacrifices and incense in unholy places to other other gods, other nations' gods, right? Not the Lord your God. Because we know that um, the testable practices that the people were following, the pagan people were following at the time, like child sacrifice, like all these horrible things, things that God would never have his people be doing because they're so horrible. Ahaz is doing it. He's seeing other people, other kings, other nations do it. And it's because he's so focused on the world, not on his God, what happens? He loses sight of God's promises, of God's plan, and God's best for his life and for his people, right? Really, the only thing it says, um, uh, as you keep reading scripture, the only good thing about this Ahaz and his legacy is that he was the father of Hezekiah, who became a good king in Judah in, in the years after. Um. Also, recounts more in verse 5 of 2 Kings 16, how, you know, again, we're in historical, the facts of King Ahaz's reign, how he actually took silver and gold from the Lord's temple and gave it as a gift to the king of Assyria. You know, he's copying, he had one of his um, uh, uh, builders go and copy the designs of these pagan altars to replace the Lord's altar and try to find ways to, you know, Oh, that king has it that way? I want it that way too. You know, comparison leads us into sin. Leads us into finding, again, what not what God's best is for our lives. And this is where this king is really setting up, you know? So we're getting the background of who Ahaz is and why the situation is such a struggle for him, you know? And why, well, all this is coming up, you know, he's, he's not going to the Lord. He doesn't know the Lord. He's so focused on other kings and a worldly, you know, temporal 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 vision that he's he doesn't know the lord to go to him for help when he's facing his these trials. <clears throat> um <clears throat> so what does he do? He goes looking for worldly help, you know, as like the king of Assyria, you know, taking things from the Lord, that silver, that gold, you know, to try and make make an alliance with the king of Assyria for protection, for peace, you know, for security, right? And how many times, and we again, and we can sit here all day and judge him, myself included. I can sit here and say, "Wow, that's stupid," right? But how many times have I? I'll speak to Heather because Heather, you know, needs some truth this morning too. How many times? How many times has Heather withheld something from God because she needed security and the worldly thing? How many times have I withheld, you know, my tithe before I I was I knew what tithing was? How many times I withhold, you know, my time? or another sacrifice I should have been giving to the Lord because I needed that, that fleshly security, that fleshly peace, that, you know, making believe I could do something by myself. Right. And I don't need the God, God to help me. That's not the truth. You know, and we're seeing how, again, how this plays out for God's people, it plays out for us the same way. Right. Um, it even says, uh, again, the more in God's word. Right. Um, Second Chronicles, chapter 28, again, it's recounting the same um, situation, the same time period in history of more details, more statistics of what's going on, um, giving another perspective on the battle that King Ahaz and the people are, f- are facing. And really, it's also another example of how he's he thinks he's making a, a good He's trying to help God's people, right? He's trying to lead his people. So he has these good reasons, quote unquote, good reasons for doing what he does, right? Trying to protect his people, trying to lead well, trying to be a good example. And yet, if you look at his heart, and God sees his heart, right? God sees all of our hearts. We're seeing this ungodly alliance. And so even though it's a good reason or a good, you know, on the... To, a, a leadership perspective a national perspective as a good alliance but the com- the corruption and that the compromise and the lack of integrity in his heart is we're leading with these good practices practices astray right again what's so cool is you know god's this whole the way this chapter is written you know by verse two we already find what happens right verse two we already see that people uh the nations could not prevail against Israel, could not prevail against Jerusalem, right? And so is already giving us in this chapter the ending before the whole next uh, section, right? So we can have hope as we're reading through, you know? And so cool, as we're reading through, and it really got me thinking, you know, we all we all have those times in our lives where we can put ourselves in the place of the Israelites, correct? Maybe just me. My life's a hot enough mess so I can, you know, put myself in the place of these hot mess people, right? Um, But maybe you can too. So, and maybe think about what news have I received or what news maybe have you received in this season that has shaken you or your family? You know, it says uh, in verse two, how the hearts of Ahaz and the people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And so what news have you received maybe this season maybe a past season, maybe in a future season, if you know it's coming sometimes, right? What news have you received that has shaken you or your family? Because, you know, we, we can receive news like the Israelite people did. And we can be caught from what, the, what others are saying around them, right? What the servants are saying, what they're saying to each other, you know, what the messengers are saying, what the other nations are saying, you know, what the Lord tells it Ahaz, through the prophet Isaiah is very different news right you know he's getting the, the worldly report we're all getting the worldly news right but god's news especially this christmas season it's christmas day god's news is so different right so the question is whose news are whose news are you going to believe whose news are you going to receive not just hear but receive into your heart into your mind into your action plan, right? And so what happens, the Lord speaks to Isaiah and gives him directions, right? Go out, in verse three, go out, you and your son, Shear, Jashub, Jashub, and to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct and go and tell him this message, right? Again, it's a common message we hear again. Same message, ironically, or not so ironically, and the angels told the shepherds, Right? Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Again, we're all, we're all panicking in all worldly perspectives. Even here, God says, do not be afraid. It goes on to say, uh, do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Talking about these kings coming against them, right? Don't lose heart because of them. And so beautiful because Shear um, Jeshub in uh in Hebrew, it means a remnant shall remain. So as he's, he's Isaiah is bringing his son, his son is literally walking as a reminder that a remnant shall remain to Ahaz and to Isaiah and to the people they're meeting with. Right? It's an example for that next generation coming up. It's a, you know, and it's it's a, it's a a mix of a warning and a promise. Right? A warning that through all this battle we're about to read through, a, only a remnant shall remain. And shall return and yet because of god's promises a remnant shall return because no matter how messed up um his king ahaz leadership is no matter how messed up the people are in their hearts and their actions through it all a remnant shall return god's not done yet with his people right and verse four you know again calls him a, a smoldering stub of firewood if you ever go camping i love camping you know or we do you know um Friends and family weekend, you know, for in the fall, the fight club group, they always have their great campfire going, right, with the the logs of wood. Um, but the hottest fire is when you're stoking the fire, right? Keeping fresh logs on, you're keeping it uh, well aerated, right? You're getting fuel into the fire. If it's smoldering, it means it's almost out, right? It's smoldering that those little crusts. It's good for making s'mores, right? Marshmallows, but you're trying to get a really hot, hot temperature going you want to have a hot fire, right? So those, you know, so when God's calling these these two kings two smoldering stubs of firewood, a smoldering is what's about to die out, right? It's not powerful. It's not effective, you know, to burn and cause damage unless it's stirred up by something else. So here's, so God's saying, these are two smoldering stubs of firewood. That's a small problem you're facing. But if you want to go stir it up yourself and make it a bigger problem, because of your actions, and your thoughts, and your ideals, then that's up to you, you know? Again, how many times has Heather been guilty of taking a smoldering stub and turning it into a blazing fire when it shouldn't have been, right? Because she tries to go into herself first, instead of going to God first, you know? So those moments, Heather, or whoever you are, you know, if we take those moments that Ahaz should have taken, to take a moment to pause, And to process, and to press into God for the truth in the midst of that face of that that situation we're facing, in the midst of that smoldering, instead of making it into you know a blazing fire again by stoking it by ourselves. Pause, process, press in, and douse it with water and the truth. Right, put those fires out in our lives. We come to God. Because we're seeing, you know, God's promise that this that their plans will not succeed. And so Isaiah is calling Ahaz and us, you know, again, this is about us today too. He's calling Ahaz and us to trust in the Lord and his promise, no matter what, what they're facing. <clears throat> so going to uh, verse 7 through 12, you know, the Lord's giving them a the promise that will not take place, will not happen, you know. And I love how he, he puts it, um... In in verse 8. The head of Damascus is only resin. And he took again verse 9. The head of Samaria is only Ramaliah's son. It's only. Like re- God's giving them the biggest reality check. Like, I see what you're saying, I see what you see, but my reality check, God's perspective, is that there is only his son. It's only this guy. It's only this nation. It's only this king. It's only that paycheck. It's only That relationship. It's only, you know, and again, if you're facing a situation like I face situations, is only can seem so huge, right? From our perspective, when we look through this, like it's only can be huge. But when you see God's perspective, He gives us that reality check of His perspective, right? Is only. Because God's so sovereign. No matter what we're facing today, not what Ahaz was facing. God's still sovereign over all of it, you know? And what happened? Ahaz didn't believe. He chose. It's a a, a choice, right? He had a choice to believe and put his faith in God and believe God's promise. But he chose not to. He chose not to put his trust in the Lord. So instead, he put his trust in the king of Assyria, you know? And again, we, we read Jerusalem was spared, you know? So Ahaz thought he had it. He thought he he came out alive, like, it got this, the people are coming back, like, you know, because God's good, right? And God's so good that even in the midst of one person or one leader not being good, especially over his people, he loves his people too much to let them all go to ruin, right? But he wasn't. But at, in the end of the day, Ahaz wasn't blessed. His kingdom, his reign wasn't blessed. And we're seeing how, you know, Um, Chronicles and Second Kings and, you know, all the other books of the the Bible as he talked about his reign, that he wasn't a good king. And so it's, it's sad seeing, you know, how, how those choices add up, right? Those choices add up in our legacy and our influence over people God calls us to lead, right? Our families, our coworkers in our church, you know, those small choices not to trust God don't just impact us, but impact those around us, right? <clears throat> and so we're seeing how God's warning and his promise through Isaiah's son you know that a remnant shall return God was trying so clearly to make Ahaz know that that he still wouldn't wake up and hear it right and so again what's he do through Isaiah he speaks of again through Isaiah in verse 10 again the Lord spoke to Ahaz ask the Lord your God for a sign whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. Ahaz said what he say, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And so I had to ask myself, I had to ask Ahaz this in my head, my head right? Like, because <clears throat> on the outside, it sounds really, really holy, right? You know, you know. even Jesus even said it when he was being tempted in the desert, right? You know, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So, okay, is Ahaz, is Ahaz saying, I will not ask God? Will not put God to the test because he doesn't want to test God because he's trying to take a holy stance now of, oh, you know, I'm going to honor God. I want to, I want to do that to Him. Um, or for a second, think: is he asking? Is he will not ask? He's saying, I will not ask God because he doesn't have the faith or the humility to ask God and deal with the answer, right? Because in this case, the Lord is saying, ask me for a sign. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign. He's saying, test me. He's saying, Ahaz, ask me and I will tell you, right? And so even though it sounds holy, the reality is it's never testing to do what God says to do. So God invites you to test him like he does here, Ahaz. He does in the book of Malachi, right? Malachi 3, uh, verse 10, we talk about the Lord invites Israel to give... um, uh, the tithe, right? Try me now in this and see if I will not open up the, open up the, um, open up the, 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 the oh, I can't think what the word is. <laughs> I should, so I had that, should I written down? Um, no, but Malachi 3, 10, right? The Lord invites him to test in the tithe and see what happens and he'll give back, right? And so we're doing the same thing here, you know, that the Lord's saying, test me. Ask me for a sign. But because of his lack of relationship with God, his lack of trust, his lack of deep roots, that like we're about to talk about in this new series coming up in January here at the church, deep roots, right? It has didn't have those deep roots. So when God even said, Hey, I will give you a sign, ask me for a sign, he's like, No, nah, I'm good. No, nah, I don't want to deal with it. He's not, he doesn't have the faith or humility to come to God, even when God's coming to him first, right? And so <clears throat> first application question we have this morning is, what do you need to ask God about in this Christmas season or in 2024? Or what are you not asking God about? And what is your action or lack of a- lack thereof to Say out your faith and your trust in God? Because <clears throat> guess what? That's verse uh, 10, 11, 12 and verse 13. God already has the answer, right? Then Isaiah said, Isaiah's, you know, he's saying, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? We try the patience of my God also? And He gives him the answer in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He's like, if you're not going to ask, I'm going to tell you anyway, you know? Because before Ahaz even asked the question, God already had the answer, right? There is no question or situation that our God doesn't already have the answer to. He's not waiting for you to ask him a question or come to him in prayer, so he can be like, "Well, let me figure this out together." No, he knows the answer, right? So ask him, you know. Romans five eight, it says, "But God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us." And so today, as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating how not only while we were still sinners that Jesus died, He was also born for us, while we were still sinners, Christ was born for us. You know, John 3, 16, we always say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so the name Emmanuel that, that Isaiah is prophesying right now to Ahaz is a rebuke to him, you know? Because because he's saying, you know, if Ahaz is like, well, God's not with us. I, King of serious serious with me, God's not with me. But, but Isaiah is saying that Emmanuel, if Emmanuel is coming, if God's with us, why should Ahaz be, be afraid, you know? And Emmanuel, that name of Jesus, it speaks both to the deity, that God is with us, but also his, his identification as his nearness to us, that God with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us, but God with us, amen? I love, I love this verse. I love that Isaiah's like over it, right? Will you try the patience of my God also? Because any of the parents here, you know, when our kids are testing us and trying our patience, those, mo- those moments where we're like, are you testing me, kid? Are you really kidding me right now? But whether they realize it or not, those moments when we take a step back as a parent, as God does, as Isaiah is doing here, those are the moments where our kids are testing us, the children of God are testing him, that reveal just how much our children God's children really need us. When we're we're blown off, we're like, are you kidding me right now? Those moments are those moments where our kids really need us because because they're about to do something or they're caught up in something. Really, really dumb, right? And we're the same way, you know? Those moments when we act like the Israelites, then, you know, when we don't realize how much we need God with us, Ahaz didn't realize how much he needed God with him right? And so what does that mean, God with us? You know, um, this great commentator, he said, in what sense then is Christ God with us? God is called Emmanuel, or God with us in his incarnation. God with us by the influences of his Holy Spirit, in the Holy Sacrament, in the preaching of his word, in private prayer, and God with us through every action of our life that we begin continue and end in his name. He is God with us to comfort, enlighten, protect, and defend us in every time of temptation and trial, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, and God with us and in us, and we with him and in him to all eternity. And church, that all began today, the true meaning of Christmas. A promise and a prophecy not only fulfills Israelites then, in the midst of their battles and their trials, and even in the midst of their mess, right? But our trials and battles and mess today, amen? So, Application question for this portion, how do you need to recognize God with you today in this season, in this new year? How do you need to ask and acknowledge him to be with you through what you're facing as we end 2023 and go into 2024? Because his promise then Is still as good and as wavering, unwavering as his promise now to be with us. Amen. Jesus is still on the the throne. He is still Emmanuel. Amen. Close out here in verse uh, 18, going through. Isaiah keeps keeps prophesying, right? He's prophesying the time to come when Assyria is going to betray their alliance. He talks about how they're going to have a um, a razor hired to shave your head and your hair, cut your beard. Again, we've talked about in, the, in previous soaps, right? This great sign of shame and humility and, and you know, disrespect, right? Towards the men in that culture in that time. And he's saying, hey, don't get too comfortable because they're going to betray you. There's going to be people coming. It's a reckoning coming, you know? And to us, you know, it sounds great as you're reading through talking about um, an abundance of curds and honey and milk. But the reality of that situation is, it's actually a sign that there's such displacement and such this population, that there'll be too much food and not enough people to eat the food and consume the food. There's no no slaves, no servants, no guests, no visitors, no large families, right? But there's gonna be, um, like it says, is there's gonna be cattle and goats to spare, but no one there to 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 enjoy it, right? Because that land that they think they're gonna have protected by the Assyrian people, when the Assyria comes in to betray them it's going to be it's going to show poor stewardship right it's going to show the thorn bushes and the briars you know i got that that vision right of being back um in the parable of the sower the sower of the seed right how this the signs of the thorn brushes and the thorns coming up choke the seed out right the seed becomes this it's a sign of being preoccupied and distracted by the worries of the world and so the same kind of symbolism is here right talking about the thorn brushes and the briars and and just this this area of no fruitfulness, no growth, no agriculture, and in, in, in an agrarian population, this means death. This means destruction. This is you know physical and spiritual death, and and limitations. Right, the cattle are loose, the sheep are gone. It's rebellion. It's dysfunction. It's rejection. It's giving up on purpose and potential because of rebellion of of, of making these unholy alliances. And seeing that if you don't trust in God, what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come and choke you out. And that's why we're so grateful this morning as we close out. That this reminder of Christmas, of Jesus, of Emmanuel, God with us. To be with us in those moments. We don't have to be choked up by the world. We don't have to be overgrown by the thorns and the briars of life. Amen? We don't have to be having, being isolated by ourselves with no people around us. Because we have Emmanuel with us. Amen? So as we close out, um, again, our application questions and our, our summaries we go in. What do you need to ask God about in this Christmas season in 2024 going into the new year? Or what are you not asking God about? What are you afraid to ask God about? And what is your action or lack thereof say about your faith and trust in God? Point two, how do you need to recognize God with you today? How do you need to acknowledge or ask him to be with you through what you're facing as we end 2023 and go into 2024? Again, his promise is still as good and unwavering and will come to pass just as it did then, just as it did now. Amen. Let's close out. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you never fail. We may fail. We may falter. We may lose sight of of just the battles and the perspectives and just the the struggles of everyday life, God, but you never do. God, help us to see your ways, your truth, your perspective. God, thank you that your promises were fulfilled 2000 years ago on Christmas to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I thank you, God, that your promises then are as good as they are now. So God, I pray for every single person here, Lord, that you would bring the right Isaiah into our lives To give us that reminder that we need, Lord, of your truth, of your promises, of your goodness, of your grace. Or, God, help us to be someone else's Isaiah and what they're facing and their battles and their unholy decisions, God, to change their perspectives. Help us to see more of you at work in us and through us, through those around us, God. As we go out of this year and into 2024, God, remember that every day, promises and that they never fail we ask and pray and celebrate all this in the name of jesus who's born today amen amen happy monday merry christmas so grateful to have all you joining us an amazing time with your families amazing uh start to your week and we will see you very soon merry christmas all.